0: a lot of stress in the world that uh, doesn't have much to do with 21 and 22 tonight. Although it does, it's actually about law and order tonight, which is interesting uh, how God brings these things up in a timely manner. But I was singing just a beautiful time of worship. Thank you, Aaron. I know, it's, I, know I know, but you did prepare and you got your heart and, and you took the time and, and you led us. And I tell you, um, I needed it. I know that most of us did just that time of singing. And, and as, as we were doing that, I, um, I got to thinking about all the stress around me from you guys. Not from you, giving it to me, but the stress that you're going through right now. Uh, things have changed in such a way that it's no longer me fighting my flesh or, or, or me just not trying to sin as much as I used to or yesterday, you know. Um, Our walk with Jesus has flipped a switch for most of us during this season, during this time, which I'm not sure it is a season. Um, I think it's permanent, uh, to a a full-on battle. It's a full-on battle now. Not against myself anymore. I I don't think about sin near as much as I used to, to be honest with you. That apathy, that uh, laziness in me, that uh, the shiny object in the store window just doesn't catch my eye like it used to. What catches my eye is um, the rage and the anger around me. And the, as you saw, as you drove in and saw the Trump signs that have all been spray painted. And the, the, that's in little Maryville here, you know. Um, the stress that as Christians, it's a different kind of fight now. It's not me. It's not against myself necessarily, although <laughs> my flesh is certainly alive and well. But it is about, um, it's about being awake uh, spiritually when it feels like 90 to 95% of the world isn't awake. They don't see it. They don't understand it. They don't comprehend what's happening around them. They don't see the connection between everything. And it can be, it's a little disconcerting. I was, I was thinking about the the year for me, 1991 was a difficult year for me, and it doesn't matter why it just was. It was a lot of sleeplessness, and there was something more lonely than I've ever felt before about being the only one awake in my house. That's a very lonely experience when everybody else is sound asleep and you're and, and you're wide awake and um I remember, and it's, it causes emotions in me because there would be times when my dad would come downstairs. I was out of the house, but back in the house for different reasons—not because I was a snowflake of any kind. It was because I hadn't gone to college yet. I'd gotten out of the Marine Corps and hadn't made my transition to to my college yet, and so I was staying at home. And I would be wide awake, just no sleep, and um, and you'd feel like you know completely by yourself. Um, and then my dad would walk downstairs. He wouldn't want to talk necessarily, you know. He was going to get milk or peanut butter sandwich or something like that. But there was an immediate flood of, um, I don't know how to, just emotion, warmth and comfort. And I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one awake, you know. Didn't need to talk. I didn't need to share feelings or anything. But it was just nice to not be awake by yourself. Please know that tonight, that this awake, spiritual awakeness that you feel, that you know, and you cannot figure out for how to even start conversations with some people about spiritual things, because they're so far away from where you are. You're not alone. There's a lot of people awake. There are 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to Baal. You just may be alone in a cave right now, like the prophet was. There are many who are awake and feeling the same thing, but know that. Pray for each other. Lift each other up when you're in those moments. Um, You may feel awake. You may feel alone like no one else can see it, but you're not alone. And your Father is very much awake with you. He's very much awake with you. And take those times to spend time with the Lord. Spend time with your Father as he tries to bring you comfort and, um, and, and enjoy that. And so I say all that because I got that sense as we were singing here, and it's just it is just overwhelming that um, you guys are going through, because I don't know, you know, I don't know what you're going through and what each, but I got the sense by the Holy Spirit, I believe that that's what a lot of you are going through. And uh, I hope you find comfort in his word tonight and that he can bring you that peace that you had and to give you peace that things are unfolding and they're, they're supposed to unfold. Um, the nation of Israel has come out of Egypt now. And they've received the Ten Commandments from the Lord. Um, God God is establishing a government with them. He's establishing a rule of law for them to go by. And that rule of law has to come from a moral authority, which is God. Um, And that helps everybody respect it, which is what most of our laws on the books have come from. They've been derived from these chapters right here. We get first-degree murder, second-degree murder, manslaughter, um, theft, all these things are covered in God's Word. Now, we've tweaked them, and boy, have we tweaked them You know, over the years to the point where they're unrecognizable, but that's where they started. The rule of law from a moral authority um, gives us that respect. Now, once we get rid of that moral authority, which is what Satan is hell-bent on doing, removing God, now, now the laws have no value because they are arbitrary. Um, And that's what we're having a problem with, and that's where our our court system gets confused and our legal system gets confusing, is because we no longer have the moral authority from which they came, these laws come from, um, we believe they're arbitrary, and so they're fluid. They're fluid, which is is horrible. Um, Anybody that's tried to raise a child in a fluid environment, with no boundaries, with no moral authority in the home... The kid is lost, doesn't know what to do, where it can go, where it can't go, wants to rule itself, but isn't capable maturity-wise to be able to do so. And so um, we find our country lost right now, very lost as we've removed moral authority or tried to, uh, and the laws don't make sense. It's, uh, It's obvious to those of us who are awake as we hear people decry the police and tell them they need to stand by to get killed, yelling that in their faces and and, you know who would have thought we'd ever see something like that where there actually be city councils that would actually vote on proposals to reduce funding for the police and move the money to other things and, and and also defund the police in many instances and and yet ask the very next week where are the police why aren't they doing their jobs and things this is ridiculous you never it doesn't for those who are awake, it makes total sense that it doesn't make sense. But to those sitting there asking the questions, and this I think is what makes you feel lonely, is they don't see the hypocrisy. They're completely—it's a vacant look on their face. They're like, "No, no, no, we're not paying you any more money, but why aren't you doing your job?" And for the rest of us, that we see it, um, but they don't see it, which should be very. Um, I don't know not troubling it just is what it is um, but you're thinking right if you were ever wondering maybe you're not getting something you are you get it they don't and they're 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 just they're they're spiritually dead they have no idea what they're saying or what they're doing they're they're confused and they're and they look like it. Several times in the Bible, we'll run across battles where the, the, the enemies of Israel will just start fighting each other for, for no reason, and they'll begin to fight and devour, and all of a sudden, they're all dead, and they're like, what happened here? Well, God just brought confusion. Well, you're, you're seeing that. You're seeing a spiritual confusion, um, and you're awake, and you're, you're right in the way you're thinking. So we get the Ten Commandments. Let's get in the text. Uh, you could spend all night on that. <clears throat> And God begins to bring this not just Ten Commandment plaque that we're going to put on a wall someplace, but I'm going to bring it into real life. Here's how it's applied into our day-to-day operations here as a nation. In verse 1, now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. The nation of Israel. Moses, I want you to set these judgments before them. Here's how you're going to rule. If you buy a Hebrew servant... He shall serve six years, and in the seventh, he shall go out free and pay nothing. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife of her the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. But if the servant plainly says, "I love my master," my wife and my children, I will not go out free. And then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost. And his master shall pierce his ear with an awl and he shall serve him forever. Now, um, servant is the key word here. Uh, we're going to talk about slavery like what we think about slavery. That's not until verse 16 in God's God's got that covered for us. In case you're thinking this is slavery being justified in Scripture, it's, it's not. And, and a lot of people misunderstand this. Let me read verse 16 because I know some people are stuck here, and I just want you to get you unstuck so we can receive. Verse 16 says, He who kidnaps a man and sells him, or if he is found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. So that's slavery gets the death penalty instantaneously, okay? So when you steal somebody and you try to sell them for money, the person who did that needs to be killed. Okay, so now let's get back to what we're talking about, which is not slavery, which is servitude, okay? This has to do with, um, we don't do this anymore. We have employers and employees and things like that, but oftentimes you get yourself into such trouble that, you need to be a servant in that person's house. And, and you don't have any way to provide for yourself or you've gotten yourself into debt. Um, you need to sell yourself, basically. Uh, it's a contract. It's a six-year contract where they're going to provide for you food, water, shelter, um, you know, at, the, at best, you know, and you're going to work every single day for this person for six years. And after that six years, you're able to, to go off on your own. If you come in with a wife, she's going to serve alongside of you. That's fine as long as the master's willing to do that. As long as the boss is willing to do that, great. And when you leave, she can go with you. Now, if you decide to take a wife while you're in his household, this woman's got a contract on her also, and you two get married. Just because you go doesn't mean she's out of her debt. She can't, you can't marry to get out of your contract, in other words. God's putting in some safeguards here for everybody. Now, Horrible situation to find yourself in. And that's the point. I think what you'll discover in these two chapters, what God is getting across is not only law and order, but also personal responsibility. It's a big thing that we've lost. So much so that many people have to ask themselves the questions I don't know if I'm responsible for that. I mean, how was I to know? Nobody cares how you were to know, it's your responsibility. It's not anybody else's fault that, uh, you know, the, so the emergency brake came off on your car and rolled down the hill and ran through three cars, a stop sign, and someone's cat. And many people today would say, well, that's not, my, how was I supposed to know my mer-? Well, the people that own the three cars and the cat and the stop sign, nobody cares that you didn't care or didn't know. You're still responsible for all the damages. It was your car. I'm sorry that it broke. I'm sorry that the emergency brake didn't work like it was supposed to. If you want to sue your mechanic, go for it. But you owe all these people the damages. Now, so much of this is common sense, but we're so far from common sense anymore in our rule of law that we have to remind ourselves of these things sometimes. It's very simple. It's very simple. So part of this is a protection for Servants, protection for owners or contractees or however you want to put it, Um, but it's also a deterrent. Don't get yourself into a position where you need to hire yourself out for six years. Don't make it, be very careful how you walk. A lot of these things you're going to think, oh my goodness, that's an incredible punishment or that's an incredible price to pay. It is. It is. And it's meant to keep our eyes wide open when we're walking around on this earth to be careful not to do this, that, or the other thing, or I'll find myself within the law here, owing and being responsible for something, you know, that I don't want to be a part of. So steer clear of that. I don't want to ever be, find myself in love with a woman while I'm working for my employer and then I get set free and she has to stick around. Then don't become a servant be very careful about that. Don't sell yourself into that position. And so he's warning them, here's the rules. Masters, you don't have to worry. If you buy someone for six years, you're going to get six years of work out of them. Not your problem that they fell in love. Not your problem that they had kids. Not your problem. That's something they decided to do. Um, and so you're going to see a lot of that. It may feel harsh but let it sink in let it soak in a little bit here it, it just makes sense why, why? why would I want to hire anybody if all they have to do is get married to get out of the contract I'm out all that money I'd rather not hire you then and then all those people that needed to get hired can't get hired you see it just goes south and so he's setting up parameters here now if you decide to stay after the six years you've earned it but you don't want to leave And I guess if the boss agrees, then you can become uh, an ear pierced servant. Okay, Uh, um, that's that means you've decided to uh, bind yourself to this boss forever. I like this guy. He's great. He doesn't beat me near as much as the last guy did. And you're going to find out that they can beat him. That was their motivation. How do I get this guy to work? Um, we have different motivations today. We have financial incentives. We have bonuses. We have all sorts of different ways that we incentivize our employees to continue to work hard and to not be lazing around, going like this, treating our customers poorly. Well, these guys just grabbed a stick and told them, "Knock it off! You're here to work. Quit hanging around on your cell phones all night." You can imagine that today at Casey's, you know, get back to work. You know, well, it didn't kill them. It bruised them a little bit, but boy, they'll stay off their phones and pay attention to what they're doing. So just a different mindset. So this is what I want you to do. If you decide that you want to stay there, then you become um, this indentured servant. You're going to do this. You're going to you're going to have this pierced ear, and uh, it's going to be yours, which is what we do with Christ. It's a picture for us. Um, we choose to be His servant. We choose to be um, under his authority, and we willingly put our ear to the door and let him pierce us, uh, and, and we take that earring, basically, that says, I'm yours forever, I'm your servant forever, Jesus. Um, you're, a good, you're a good boss. Um, you're worth it. So, um, in verse 7, And if a man sells his daughter to be a female slave, she shall not go out as the male slaves do, If she does not please her master, who has betrothed her to himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. She can go. Uh, He shall have no right to sell her to a foreign people, since he has dealt deceitfully with her. And if he has betrothed her to his son, he shall deal with her according to the custom of daughters. If he takes uh, another wife, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, and her marriage rights. And if he does not do these three for her, then she shall go out free without paying money. Now this is her protection as well. Um, a good example of this might be uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And The creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. It's a perfect example of this law being enforced. Your dad got you into huge trouble. Somebody's got to pay his debt. Um, Now we probably know that um, like when it comes to an estate or something, if the family dies or the dad and the parents die in an enormous amount of debt, that's got to be paid. That has to be paid. The taxes, the back taxes, all that has to be paid. It has to be covered. Well, back then they just come get your kids because they're going to work this off. Old enough to serve, they're it's their responsibility. And so they would take them. It could be a daughter, too, in this case. Um, can sell her, hey honey, you gotta have to work for six years to help out the family here. Now, thank goodness we don't have this anymore, you know. Um, but this is this is how it was. And this protects everybody. It protects the woman. If she, if you're going to say, you want to marry my son? And he's betrothed. Well, you don't treat her like the servant anymore. She's like a daughter-in-law to you now. Okay, so things are going to switch. So be careful. You can't make her a slave to your son or anything like that. Once she switches gears, you've lost all those rights you had to her as someone who's an, a servant that has to work for you. Um, you treat her like a daughter and... If you betroth her to yourself, you fall in love with her and you want her to be your wife, that's fine. But now she's your wife. She's not anything other than that. And if she decides to go, then she can go free. And She, she doesn't owe you anything. It's, it causes everybody to pause a little bit and to think before they do stuff. So that's the idea behind these rules. Um, just getting everybody on board here. Everybody understands what's going on. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. However... If he did not lie in wait, if it wasn't premeditated, but God delivered him into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place where he may flee. So this is second degree manslaughter or second degree murder or manslaughter. You can run to that uh, city of refuge. We talked about that when we went over that. It was you know, a while ago, but God had set up several cities that you could run to and get a fair hearing or a, you know, uh, a judgment there. So uh, I'm going to give you a place to run to. And he did. But if a man acts with premeditation against his neighbor to kill him by treachery, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. So there's none of that, I'm in I'm in church, you know, it's sanctuary. That's, who they, that's why they call this the sanctuary, because it's to protect you from, no, not anymore, just go ahead and grab him, pull him pull him off my altar, and go ahead and, and you can put him to death. Uh, the death penalty is God's idea. I don't know where you stand on it, it, it makes no difference, I don't want to argue with you about it. Um, you may not like it. You may be for it. You may be against it. It makes no difference. Um, it just you need to understand where it came from. Uh, the death penalty is something that God instituted. It's His thoughts on the idea. It's it's not man's thoughts. Um, and um, with this premeditated murder and the instant uh, judgment of death upon this man who who would do this, who would lie in wait and would have to have two witnesses and, and the whole thing. There's no. Uh, there's no repeat offenders, is the idea. Um, there is no long rap sheet back then. Um, it was done. The nation of Israel will grow up with these laws. They will be taught these laws. They will, they will watch some of these laws be enforced. Um, they will grow up knowing that if I go down that road, this is what happens, and they will see the good, the bad, and the ugly with servanthood you know, getting careless with your money and becoming a servant of somebody because you, you weren't able, able to provide for your family or you, you, you just had bad business decisions, you weren't careful, and you had to spend, you watched dad spend six years with somebody else. That's never gonna happen to me, you see. You learn from those things. Um, it doesn't happen more than once in, me, in most circumstances. Um, so if you premeditate and kill somebody, just know you're gonna lose your life. So that calms all the hotheads down, knowing that there's not going to be a 27-year court case with appeals and all this. There's no, you know, last meal and, 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 and death row and all that. It's just, you're done, um, and it's quick. Um, and so we've muddled it quite a bit now. What, what, what does premeditated mean, and uh, what does the word act mean? And, you know, uh, it's simple. It's very simple, or it's supposed to be, um, in God's economy, but we've made it very complex. Um, And so therefore, it takes a long time for these things to actually have their intended uh, um, effect, which is not only um, to stop it from happening again from that person who has a propensity to kill people. Uh, We don't want them running around on the loose or even in jail. We don't want to have to pay for that or even have to house it, you know, staff a jail. It's a deterrent from others who watch. You know, um, so, or watch it happen. So don't. And he who strikes his father or mother shall surely be put to death. You don't even have to kill your mom and dad for that one. You just have to strike them and you're put to death. And that put the end of that right away. Um, some don't understand that either and, and have a hard time uh, accepting these laws that God's put into place. But boy, um, God honored the family and still does honor the family um there's a lot more going on here than just uh, some rebellious teenager who who smacked his mom or 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 punched his dad in a fit of, fit of anger out in the field or whatever um these are all there's a reason God doesn't continue to create people from dust like Adam and Eve he's put it in our power to create and we have little babies and we raise these little babies and 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 we love them and we, and we teach them and we train them up in the way that they should go. And um, there's a picture there of our father with us, giving us an opportunity to do what he does with us, to experience it. That's why he says, if you being evil parents know how to give an egg and a loaf of bread, uh, you know, to your kids, how much more so a good father, you know, we, we know the story, Um so we have this, and so when you see someone striking the father, you may as well imagine someone striking God in the face. Is the idea honor your father and mother, um, and if you strike them, then you'll surely be put to death. Which is exactly what happens in eternity. You strike the father, you strike the son, you 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 shove them out of your life. You have complete utter disregard for them, or disrespect. You have an, you have death waiting for you. Um, you have hell waiting for you, and so. This is the idea behind this. Verse 16, we've already covered. He who kidnaps a man and sells him, or if he is found in his hand, shall surely be put to death. So um, any kind of slavery, uh, this is uh, uh, kidnapping, um, but with the intent to sell. So it's human trafficking. Um, it's just just death. There's no, let's seek out their past or their their hurts um, or or why they did what they did no, we don't have time for that. It's just, you're done. And, and so they would put them to death. And he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. So now we're not even striking, we're cursing them. There's a huge emphasis on this. And before we just shut it off and say, why? Well, I don't think I agree with that. Eh, be careful. Be careful. Why does God do this? And if you need to chew on it, chew on it some more. But before you discount these things or throw these things out or it's something that you're not used to hearing or can't understand why this would be, that's fine. You don't have to understand, but you you do need to let God teach you and let him bring you to the conclusion that he's come to. Let the Holy Spirit teach you in these things. So don't curse your father and mother. Um, If men contend with each other, and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist, and he does not die, but is confined to his bed. So you won, but the guy's bedridden. If he arises again and walks about outside with his staff, then he who struck him shall, shall be acquitted. He shall only pay for the loss of time and shall provide for him to be thoroughly healed. That's genius. What a genius law. I'm mad. Ready? Let's go outside. Well, that's fine. But if I lose, you got to pay my medical bills. And you have to pay for all my lost wages to whoever I worked for or myself. So you sure you want to go outside? That's eh, not worth it. You know, good. You know, there's some thought put into this. You, you, but, but as soon as you're outside walking, that all ends, you know, you can't be saying, I don't know. I think I still got whiplash from the fight. No, no, no. You're out walking around. We're done paying for it. Um, <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but it's, it's genius the way God does this. He says, you can fight all you want. You just have to pay for the damages. I don't want to pay for the damages. Well, then don't fight. You know? Oh, okay. Personal responsibility. You're responsible. If a man beats his male or female servant with a rod so that he dies under his hand, he shall surely be punished, notwithstanding if he remains alive a day or two, he shall not be punished for he is his property. That's a, you are under contract. You're no better than the mule, you know, down the street kind of thing. Well, I don't know if that's right or not. Well, right or wrong, be careful about making yourself someone's property. Don't put yourself in that position then, you know. If you can't take the beating, then don't start spending the money you don't have. Be careful about that. We just don't have that anymore. I think that's probably the, the worst thing that could ever happen to our country's chapter 11 bankruptcy. Or even chapter seven, bankruptcy. Both of them. What a what a horrible law. I mean, I understand why they brought it into being and what the point of it was. Um, and, and but but really having to write down for seven years that you had to file for bankruptcy on all of your documents and that's all? And you still got out from paying off all the debts that you owed everybody, that's that's the worst thing that can happen to you? Not good. Um, um Maybe you should be someone's employee for six years where you're away from your family and your friends and everything and you just have to do and you have to watch out because the guy's going to hit you with the stick. You know, uh, that'd keep you from (laughs) doing dumb things with your money or other people's money. Be careful. Don't overextend yourself. So, um, if men fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely yet no harm follows um, he shall surely be punished according to the woman's husband uh, imposes on him, and he shall pay as the judge determines. Okay, so you, you fight a guy and his wife gets caught up in it. Maybe she's a fighter too and she wants to help and, or whatever. Who knows the reason behind it. But if you bump her or hurt her in such a way that she gives birth premature, this is not a miscarriage. This isn't the death of the baby. This is just a premature birth. It's a different Hebrew word here. Um, so the baby's born alive and no harm comes, then you're going to have to pay for the damages or whatever it is that you have to do, according to the husband. Um, But if any harm follows, if the woman dies, if the baby dies, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. This puts to rest the idea that babies. In the womb are not life as far as God is concerned. They are, um, and and that is the only argument you have with abortion versus the the they call themselves pro-choice. But um, actually, uh, the pro-life people are actually the pro-choice people. Uh, just they've, been, they've the narrative has been taken from us. Um, we believe the woman has absolute autonomy over her body, but we also believe the baby has absolute autonomy over its body. <laughs> and that's not its choice to be aborted. And so you don't have the right to put this choice on this baby. We believe this baby has the right to choose, and it chooses life. I, I guarantee it. Um, so that's the argument. As far as the abortion uh, argument goes, there it all boils down to the one question, and you cannot have a conversation with anybody unless you have this settled. Most pro-choice people or, or pro-abortion people are—they don't believe it's a person. That's the only—that's it. And, and and then those who are for the baby to live believe it is a person. And, and so, until you can come to an agreement, there, there there's really no other argument because if they don't believe it's a person. You can't go any further with them. That's that's the problem. And so when it comes to Christianity and you're still maybe stuck in that limbo zone or you're not so sure whether it's a person or not, it is. God just said so. If that baby dies at the hands of somebody else, then the person who did it dies. It's murder. It's considered murder of a person. So um, Scripture tells us that the baby is a person um, regardless of the age. So um, that's God's solution for that. If a man strikes the eye of his male or female servant and destroys it, whoop, hit him too hard, he shall let him go free for the sake of of his eye. Now, as horrible as that is, it causes the owners, the employer, to be very careful. You do the wrong thing here, you're going to lose your very valuable employee. They were worth a lot of money because, in order for me to take this man on to be my servant, I had to pay off all of his debt, which could be, you know, I don't know what it would be then, but now it'd be like $100,000 for this person to, I'll pay off his debt. You work for me for six years, kind of thing. Well, if I get upset and I whack him and I whack him too hard and he loses his eye, well, I just lost $80,000 because he's only worked two years for me. Do you see what God's doing here? <laughs> Is this a lot for a Wednesday night? You're all going, okay. I mean, really. Hey, it's the next two chapters, law and order. We need law and order. Let me break away from the text for a minute. If we need law and order now, more than ever, we need law and order. You can't grab a brick and throw it through someone's window that you don't own. It's not throw it through your own window, but you're not allowed to throw it through somebody else's window. <laughs> a lot of people don't get that, apparently. If you're going to be arrested, don't fight the police officers. Fight it later on in court. Okay? Um, Crime is dangerous. Doesn't matter what crime it is. When you decide to do crime, crime becomes dangerous because you run the risk of getting hurt when they try to incarcerate you for your crime. I shouldn't have to say this out loud, but we do have to say this out loud today. Don't do crime. Um. So, as, as monotonous as these two chapters may seem, we need to sit down the whole country and talk to them about this. And you get to be the ones to share it with them. I don't know why they're getting so upset. They're just, they're just letting off steam. They can let off steam all they want. Buy a punching bag from Dick's Sporting Goods. Go grab a brick, buy a car, and beat that car to a pulp. It's your car. You can do whatever you want to, but you can't do that with other people's stuff. Okay. Back to the text. Don't knock out your male or female servant's eye. And if he he knocks out a tooth of his male or female servant, he shall let him go free for the sake of the tooth. So not just eyes, but teeth. Now, Animals, animal control. I go for walks with my family. This may hurt someone's feelings. But if I see a dog, a big dog, running at my family, I'm going to hurt that dog. Because I don't want to wait to find out if the dog is going to hurt my kids. Oh, he's got him by the neck. I guess it's a bad dog. Oh, he's licking him. I guess he's a good dog. By the time the dog's mouth is either licking or biting my child, it's too late. I'm going to hurt the dog. Okay? So get control of the animals. Put them on leashes. Don't let them run out the door. You know, at my family and stuff. I, I'm sorry that your dog got out. and I'm sorry I beat it. But... <laughs> Keep your dog under control. He's a good dog. You telling me he's a good dog from your porch does not make me feel any better as I see him bearing down on my little kids, okay? Animal control. If an ox gores a man or a woman to death, then the ox shall surely be stoned, and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be acquitted. But if the ox tended to thrust with its horns in time past, which means the owner knew it had a problem, He kind of does that. He gets a little nippy. (laughs) If you knew he got nippy, then you're responsible for everything. See, personal responsibility. If the ox tended to thrust with its horn in time past, and it has been made known to its owner, and he has not kept it confined, so that it has killed a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner also shall be put to death. (laughs) What? I... (laughs) Now, I don't know how many times that actually happened. I mean, can you imagine? Probably once. And after that, as soon as you saw one of your animals getting out of line, you're like, I'm not dying for you. (laughs) Kind of thing. End of that. Steaks on the barbecue tonight, guys. We're eating them. It's Bob, the cow, who's going to be eaten. Well... God's just saying, look. If you knew, I guess you wanted to run the risk. If it was that important to you. It's going to cost you your life. If there is imposed on him, a, wait, uh, so that it has killed a shall be stored. If there is imposed on him a sum of money, then he shall pay to redeem his life. Whatever is imposed on him, whether it has gored a son or gored a daughter, according to this judgment, it shall be done to him. If the ox gores a male or female servant, he shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. So you lose your animal, and you have to pay for that uh, servant that got hurt. And if a man opens a pit, or if a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls in it, the owner of the pit shall make it good. He shall give money to their owner, but the dead animal shall be his. So... Kind of work that out. You know what? Yeah, sorry. Here's the money for the cow. We're going to eat your cow now. If one man's ox hurts another's so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and divide the money from it. And the dead ox, they shall also divide. So it's good, friendly, you know, happy medium there. Or if it was known that the ox tended to thrust in times past then, so if it had a tendency to do that. So so in other words, he's never done anything like that before. Well, Okay, let's sell him because he's worthless and we're going to eat the dead one and I understand. How do you know, right? But if you do know, if this has happened in the past, if it was known that the ox tended to thrust in times past and its owner uh, did not keep it confined... He shall surely pay ox for ox, and the dead animal shall be his own too. So you get to keep the dead animal and you. So you lose money on the deal. You best get control of your animals. It's the idea. All right, chapter 22, more rule of law. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. Now, you Bible scholars know this should throw up a little flag for you, a little Nathan, our our little prophet Nathan, who came and talked to David, gave him that very same scenario right here, and it's out of 2 Samuel 12, starting in verse 1, but I'm not going to read the whole thing, tells him this story about, there was this rich guy who had plenty of sheep, and then there was this poor guy who only had one sheep, and the rich guy had a guest come over, so he took the poor guy's sheep and killed it and ate it. Um, what do you think should be done to the man or for the man and and David furious at the story, how could you kill this poor guy 's only sheep so david 's anger was greatly aroused against the man, and he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die, and he shall restore fourfold for the lamb, which is where we, which is right now David went a little further didn 't he you know kill that guy well that 's not what the law says. The law says he need, he owed four times the amount or if it was a sheep, which is what it was in that story. Okay, so what's happening here? Crime doesn't pay. Crime definitely doesn't pay. Now, why four? I don't know why four, except you'd have to steal five sheep to make it work. Because if you got caught any one of those times, you were down. You were in the negative. So crime really wasn't wasn't worth it to you. And more than likely, God's saying, and if you didn't get caught the first three times, we're going to make sure that you paid for those three times we didn't catch you also. You know, so it's a deterrent for sure. Is it really worth stealing that sheep, knowing that you may have to owe four back? Well, uh, I got him thinking, not worth it. If the thief is found, now that, that's if he stole the sheep and then tried to fence it right away, tried to sell it, tried to make money off of it. Okay. Killed it, Whatever. That's what happens. You got to, oh, if the thief is found breaking in, and and you don't know who this is or why they're there or what they have. If the thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. This is this basic stand your ground, uh, home is my castle laws that we have that everybody. so... Obviously confused about it and don't need to be confused about it. If someone breaks into my house, I don't know why they're there. I don't know what they have. I'm not going to ask. I'm going to make sure my family's safe, and, and, and we should. Um, that's, that's just and, and true. Um, I'm sorry he was a drunk college student who was just trying to find a place to sleep. I've had that happen before. And luckily, the kid survived that night with me. Um, but I wasn't happy about him trying to get into my house, you know? And I helped him find his way home, and I understood, and I could evaluate the situation. And, but um, it didn't, it might not have gone that way if he'd wandered upstairs into my daughter's bedroom to find a bed, because that's where his room should have been, you know? The kid thought he was at his house. He's at my door, you know? Uh, and I opened the door, in my underwear, you know? What, sleeping underwear, not like, Tidy whities or anything like that but there i was you know what are you doing here you know yelled at him and oh dude you know <laughs> get in the car drove him around for a while and obviously he was no help like he couldn't figure out where his house was at all and so i took him to the police station he said there was a party there or something last night oh that'd be over on fifth and whatever okay so i drove over that's my house all right there you go get out But he honestly thought he was at the right house. If he had walked in and wandered upstairs and climbed in to snuggle up next to my daughter or something, it might have turned out differently. That's this right here. I don't know what you're there for. And so there's no guilt for his bloodshed. He should make full restitution if he has nothing then he shall be sold for his theft. So if you didn't kill him and you just knocked him out or you got him under arrest, he's going to make full restitution. If he didn't have anything in his hand, then he shall be sold for his theft. That'll stop you from doing it. I didn't even get nothing, you know. That crime doesn't pay, man. It looks like you're going to be an indentured servant for six years. I'm going to get some money out of it, though. I might leave my door unlocked from now on. If the theft no, okay. If the theft is certainly found alive in his hand, so he did steal the sheep, he's walking away with it under his arm, whether it's an ox, a donkey, or a sheep, he shall restore double. You gotta pay back double because it's still alive. I'm gonna get my sheep back or my donkey back and you have to give me an extra kind of thing. So if you try to fence it and kill it, you got four you gotta pay back. If you get caught with it in your hand, you gotta pay back twice as much. If a man causes a field or a vineyard to be grazed and lets loose his animal and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best of his own field and the best of his own vineyard. You're responsible for your animal. I didn't know the fence was broken. I know you didn't know. And I didn't know your fence was broken. And yet here we are and you're eating my stuff and it's my stuff. And so you owe me for my stuff. It's just how it is. You just have to be responsible for your, for your critters, you know. If fire breaks out and catches in thorns so that stacked grain, standing grain, or a field is consumed, he who kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. You know, I was just burning my garbage, you know, and the whole place went up. Well, it was dry. What did you think was going to happen? Well, I didn't know. Well, you owe me, you know. Um If a man delivers to his neighbor money or articles to keep, and it is stolen out of the man's house. So now we're getting into some really detailed stuff here. So, um, hey, I'm going out of town. You mind if I park my car at your place or not? I guess. I mean, if you want me to keep an eye on it, that's fine. If the thief is found, so, hey, dude, your car got stolen while you were gone. You know, what? Yeah, your car is is out there, and now it's not. (laughs) Hopefully you knew the guy, and he wasn't a creep, but if he... If, if you find the thief, great. You take care of him. He's got to pay for it. He gets to go see the judge and, and, and all that. But um, if the thief is not found, then the master of the house shall be brought before the judges to see whether he has put his hand into his neighbor's goods. You know, he said my car got stolen, but we ain't found the car and we ain't found a thief yet. So you go before the judge and the judge says, Bob, you got his car? Is it in the barn? Or something. Where's the, where's the car? I didn't know what happened to the car. I, I didn't take the car. Search his barn. They'll do their due diligence, figure it out. Hey, if they don't find it, you just got to listen to the, the judge. He it's just, it's, it's, it, we're just going to find out. Um, for any kind of trespass, whether it concerns an ox, a donkey, a sheep, or clothing, or any kind of lost thing, which another claims to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judge, and whomever the judge condemns shall pay double to his neighbor. I'm just going to leave it in the hands of the judge. If a man delivers to his neighbor a donkey, an ox, a sheep, or an animal to keep, and it dies, is hurt, or driven away, no one seeing any of this happen, no eyewitnesses, then an oath of the Lord shall be between them both that he has not put his hand into his neighbor's goods, and the owner of it shall accept that. Nobody saw it happen. I don't know what happened. It's just a loss, okay? We're not going to condemn an innocent man who may be guilty just because. Then don't leave your stuff with him from now on if you don't trust him, okay? Lesson learned. Um, Then don't, don't do that. Keep your stuff in your own barn. So just common sense stuff, and he shall not make it good. I didn't steal your stuff. I don't know what happened to it. But if in fact it is stolen from him, he shall make restitution to the owner of it. If it is torn to pieces by a beast, then they shall bring it to bring it as evidence, and he shall not make good on what was torn. Hey, I didn't know the coyotes were going to get it. And if a man borrows anything from his neighbor, so you borrow your neighbor's tools, okay? And I borrowed your chainsaw, and the and and it well not a chainsaw wouldn't get injured or dies. So I borrowed your I don't know. We don't even do this anymore. It's kind of archaic for us. But I borrowed your horse, and it was pulling something, and 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 it died. The owner of it uh, being with it. So you're, you were there. You brought your horse over to help him plow and all that, and um, it died. Uh, you were with it. It's not his fault. You loaned it out. He shall surely make it good. If its owner was with it, he shall not make it good. If it was hired, it came for its own or it came for its hire. So maybe a combine would be a good way to think. You, you hire out your combine, custom combine. You're over there. You're going to go help out. You were there. Hey, my combine broke in your field. my fault. Fix your combine. I'm paying you to do custom combining here. I didn't, you know. Um, but if you borrow his combine, yeah, I borrowed your combine. Man, right into the ditch. I mean, everything. the head is mangled. Sorry. no. No, you're going to pay for that. Um, yeah, I'm sorry you ran it in the ditch, but that's your responsibility. Um, so you need to pay for it since you borrowed my stuff. If a man entices a virgin who is not betrothed, and li- sorry, this gets a little gritty here, a betrothed and lies with her, he shall surely pay the bride price for her to be his wife. If her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money according to the bride price of virgins. So what's happening here? Well, entice is the key, not, not taken, enticed. Okay, it's not rape. Um, this is different. Um, rape is punishable by death in God's law, instant just death. This is different. This is um, um, some guy, he's a player, and he decides to get her to, before marriage, and dad finds out and says, no, she's your bride now. Well, that causes all the players to maybe hold up a little bit and say, you know what, I don't think I'm going to mess around here because I don't think I want to be married to her forever. Um, it was emotion. It was a moment. It was a time. I'm going to control myself. And so there was a, it's going to cost you a lot. It isn't, it isn't just, I don't call her in the morning. Um, I don't have to see her again. It means, no, 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 you provide for her the rest of her life. Oh, maybe it's not that important as you thought it was that night is the idea. It's a deterrent. Um, you shall not permit a sorceress to live. Okay, that was short. Um, so anybody that practices sorcery, kill them. Whoever lies with an animal shall surely be put to death. I know, shouldn't have to make a law like that, but we do. There's something wrong here that isn't fixable. Um, And so God says, no, you need to put them out. Um, He who sacrifices to any God except the Lord, only he shall be utterly destroyed. We do not want that infecting our nation. We do not want other gods and the worship of other gods to be tolerated in the nation of Israel here. Um, And so they got put to death. He who sacrifices to any God except the Lord, only he shall be utterly destroyed. You shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. So just because they're not Israeli doesn't mean that you get to treat them like a second-class citizen. They get all the same rights as were afforded you. You uh, You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you afflict them in any way and they cry at all to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will become hot and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows and your your children fatherless. Okay, you know, um, God takes this seriously. And what's interesting is Jesus does the exact same thing. You say, man, Jesus, I thought you're, you know, this guy. And then all of a sudden you're talking about causing these little ones to stumble. You're going to put a millstone around their neck and toss them into the sea. Where does this come from? Well, it comes from here. I've always felt this way about the fatherless and the widows. If I see you afflicting them, taking advantage of them, I'm going to to hear it and I'm going to do something about it. He warns them about that. Um, Be careful. If you lend money, to any of my people who are poor among you, you shall not be like the money lender to him. You shall not charge him interest. If you ever take your neighbor's garment as a pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. That's something that would cause them to, um, well, be careful about your business dealings with one another as, as as family members in the nation of Israel. We don't do that. Um. Be kind to them. If they're down and out, then loan it, you know? And, and if you need money that bad, then, and you don't feel comfortable doing it without collateral or without having some interest paid, then, then just don't do it. If that is his only covering, it is his garment for his skin. What will he sleep in? And it will be that when he cries to me, I will hear, for I am gracious. So I wouldn't do that to you, God says. So I don't want you to do that to each other. Um, I wouldn't do that to you. You shall not revile God, nor curse a ruler of your people. You shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe produce and your juices. The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. Likewise, and that doesn't mean human sacrifice, that means they should be dedicated to me. Likewise, you shall do with your oxen and your sheep. Um, In other words, you, you, you commit them to me, you dedicate them to me. But the oxen and the sheep, they were actually sacrifices. We'll read about that later. It shall be with its mother seven days. On the eighth day, you shall give it to me, and you shall be holy men to me. You shall not eat meat torn by beasts in the fields. Uh, you shall throw it to the dogs. That's their food, not your food. I don't want you eating roadkill out there. Um, I want you to. Um, you're you're more than that. You know, you're more important than that. And so, um, don't delay to offer up your sacrifices to God to give him uh, to. To be honorable in what God provides for you to to show him honor uh, and and then he 's actually talking about tithes and offerings and sacrifices here um, don 't delay you know don 't hold off on that stuff it 's a dangerous place to get into your mind where you can start to justify not you know to not do these things that's a that 's a dangerous place for you all right we made it all right Lord, thank you for. Thank you for this evening and uh, for these two chapters of Law and Order. You just want us to know that you establish a government, you establish rules, um, societal, any society that has to live together has to have these morals and these laws. Um, written, uh, to, to codify, to, to help us to all live under the same standard um, and understand what's expected of each of us. And so, Lord, we thank you for this. Help us to know this. The rest of the world may not know this, but, Lord, if anybody's going to live honorably in this world, help it to be us as Christians, that we'd live honorably, that we'd follow your law. That So the civil law doesn't say we have to do that. Your law says we have to. So, God, help us to live according to the higher law, Lord, uh, your law. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you need prayer before you come up um, about sheep or oxen or anything like that, come on up, be glad to pray with you.